Good morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Come on, extra credit coming to church when it's raining on Memorial Day weekend. Come on. And just for that, we're actually going to have a bunch of donuts right after the service. And so we're going to, when you leave today, you'll have the opportunity to uh, just, just eat because it's cold and rainy and that just makes us want to eat bad things for us. And so we want to help you along in that journey. So we're going to have some, some donuts and just some time to connect uh, today. And so thank you for being here. We actually, just for you guys, decided to make a water fountain through the ceiling just for you guys special on Memorial Day weekend. So you're glad that you're here to see that. Uh, we are excited about a few things at City Walk Church. One of the things that we want to be about on a regular basis is celebrating when we see God at work. And uh, over the last week and a half, we've seen God do some really cool stuff. And I wanted to just share a few things with you before we dive into part four of Skeptic. The first thing is about a week and a half ago on a Friday night, uh, we bought a lot of ice cream, and we got a lot of pizzas, and we had an event called a storm event for students. And the storm event was a, an event where students would come together on Friday night, and our youth group would come together first, we would pray, then we would go out and pick up our friends and come back and have an event. And so when we first got there on Friday night, we had an exciting amount of students. It was all of four kids that showed up. So we were like, man, we're about to have to eat a gallon and a half of ice cream each to, to do this. We had to be a good steward of the ice cream. So we wanted to. But, but what happened was we, we got those four or five kids together. We prayed. We talked about now what we're going to go do by picking up our friends. And, and we sent four or five cars out for about an hour. And by the time we all got back, uh, we had 14 students that had never been to city students there for the event. And uh, the event is about giving out the gospel. It's a special event for that. And we were able to share just a clear gospel message with those students. And that night we had 10 students make professions of faith. And so we need to celebrate that. I mean, it, it, it's exciting when you see one person turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and trust Christ to see that many students sensitive to God's spirit and, and say, hey, I want to I trust Christ as my Savior. And, and we, we do it. It's a little harder for them because they, they get up and they go and actually sit down with the counselor to make sure they understand. So, I mean, these kids got up out of their chair, said, I want to trust Jesus and went and got counseled. So, man, it was an awesome night. And so we're thankful for what God did there. Another thing we want to celebrate is this past week we started our city groups. And uh, when we first started City Walk Church, Chris Dowdy and I uh, sat down, and, and Chris is our family pastor, and we said, hey, if by the end of the first year of City Walk Church we could have 40% of the adults somehow connected to a group, man, that would be like glory, hallelujah, that would be an awesome, awesome thing to see. And I'm happy to tell you that right now we have half of our adults that call City Walk Home connected in a community group 16 weeks into uh, this church. And so, man, we want to celebrate that. 
We want to celebrate people taking next steps, getting connected. And if you're not part of a community group, we know who you are. And we're going to start new ones again in September. And our, our prayer is that we go from three groups to six groups. And so we're, we're, we're excited when people take steps to get connected. And so, man, we just wanted to celebrate those things. One last thing before we dive in. We, we have something special coming up that I wanted to share with you where you have an opportunity to get involved. Uh, the very first event that we did as a, a very small launch team last summer, to, to really the first thing we did as a launch team for CityWalk Church was we were a part of the summer stroll uh, in Yuba City. In fact, some of you are at CityWalk Church today and are connected and we met you at the summer stroll. What was bad about the summer stroll last year is we had to say, hey, we'll see you in six months. And, and man, we're good to meet you. We're starting a church. We don't know where it's going to meet, but we're going to see you whenever it does start. And so now we get to say, hey, come tomorrow morning. But here's what we'd like to see. We'd like to see 20 or 30 of us be a part of, of that day and pick shifts two-hour shifts where you're either face painting, you're greeting people, you're handing out invite cards. And so we need about 20 people to do that. You can go right in your app. You can select the time you want to be a part of that. And, and, and we want to do that together uh, because God uses simple things like summer strolls to connect people to church and, and eternities change. And so we want to take advantage of that. So you can connect right there on the app. This summer, and, and, and you know this, Many of you, and kind of Memorial Day is kind of the beginning of, of summer, and we kind of move into the last kind of week of school, and, and probably like our family, you've already maybe got your plane ticket, or you've gotten your, your map kind of figured out where you're going to be going this summer, and, and this might be the summer for you that you're making the trip to the, the people that, you know what, you, you, you love these people, but you don't love spending vacation with them, but you do it once every few years because they're part of your family, and this happens to be the summer for you, that you're making the trip to Uncle Billy's house or, you know, so-and-so's house, if you're the Uncle Billy, I'm sorry, and, and you're going to, to, to take that trip and see those people, and usually when you're with those people, and you know this, there's certain things that you just don't bring up. And everybody in the room knows, even if there's like an elephant in the room, there's certain questions you don't ask, there are certain situations you don't bring up, and everybody just knows if you're part of the group. Like when we visit these people, you tell your kids, don't mention this, don't ask this question, and, and, and we just kind of know that. But isn't it awkward when you're the person that isn't necessarily part of the group and you don't know not to ask that question. And, and, and so, you, you know, you bring somebody new into the, to the family gathering or into the group of friends. And, and, and you guys already know all the rules because you're part of the group. But this new person doesn't know that, oh, you're not supposed to ask about Aunt Sally. Well, that's off limits. And they ask about Aunt Sally. And everybody, it's just awkward. Because they, they were never told, hey, this is just one of those things we don't talk about because it never goes good when we do. So we avoid it. And that happens with families and friends, but sometimes that happens in church. And, and maybe you were the person that, that came to church and, and you weren't part of the clique 
You didn't know the secret handshake. You didn't know that there were certain things you're not supposed to talk about. There are certain questions that you're not supposed to ask. And you didn't know. So man, you just came to church and thought, hey, these people seem nice. I'm going to ask a question that's on my mind. And people like, oh, you, you, you didn't get the memo. You're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to ask that question. And so and maybe you're that person. And, and, and you thought, man, is, is this how it is? Or maybe you have a kid. Maybe you're, you have an adult child that, man, they're, they're that kid where, man, they, they came to the, the church and they, they thought, hey, you should be able to ask this question. And, and they kept getting kind of these awkward answers or these pat answers or these angry answers. And so after a while, they just said, you know what? I'm done. And they just kind of pieced out and they, they didn't want to be a part of it. What we've tried to do over the last few weeks is we've tried to look at some of those questions Some of those questions that whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you find yourself maybe skeptical of this whole thing, some of those questions that every single one of us has probably grappled with over our life. In fact, for some of us, you were given kind of a framework of belief as a child, and you were just told, hey, believe this, have faith in this, and this is what, you know, this says, and this is what you're supposed to know about this, and you just believe it. And you did. But, but then you started to grow up, grow up and the gap between what you believed and what you had experienced, the gap kind of began to grow. And you, you realize that, you know what? My childlike faith doesn't always do well under the rigors of adult life. And so what we've done over the past few weeks is we've tried to take a few of those big questions The question of pain and suffering. And why in the world is there so much pain and suffering? How could a good God and an all-powerful God, how how could he allow this? And we grappled with that question a few weeks ago. Another question that we grappled with is, is one we've probably all had, especially if you spent any time in the educational system. And it's simply this question, is the Bible reliable? Can I really trust the Bible? I know my pastor says I should, I know my mom and dad says I should, but can I be intellectually honest and really trust the reliability of the scriptures? And so we ask ourselves that. Then the the last time we were together, we talked about this question, what is the starting point of Christianity? And and what's really at the core, what is, is really at the foundation of this whole movement that Jesus started? And our goal has been not to answer every question perfectly and kind of leave church knowing all the right answers and having everything kind of put in a nice box and tied with a nice bow. But our goal has been to maybe look at some perspectives, some insights from an intellectually honest perspective that we had not considered. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to end this series with probably, for me, what is the most important question we've asked the entire series. And it's not a a question that I'm going to give you and then give you the answer to. It's a question I'm going to give you and you need to grapple with the answer. It's an important question that, that for any of you that have ever thought of walking away, and if we're all honest, we all have, or if that question ever comes up in your future, it's a question that you need to have seared in your mind so that if you're ever tempted to walk away, you have this question to think about. 
And it's a question, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 6, or you can look in the app. It's a question that actually comes up from a conversation Jesus has had. To kind of give you a backstory, Jesus had just done uh, uh, one of the most popular miracles that he ever did. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Jesus took just a small kid's lunch and he fed a bunch of these people, over 5,000 people. And man, when, when this happened, Jesus, his approval rating went through the roof. I mean, he became extremely popular. People were saying to him, hey man, we, we love what you're doing. We love the message. We love these miracles, man. These are cool to watch. And, and we'd actually like you to become king. And his 12 disciples, man, they were, they were starting to think of like, which cabinet post am I going to take? And they're, they're liking the direction of this thing. This is looking good. And Jesus does what Jesus does a lot in the New Testament. Instead of becoming king and instead of kind of leaning into his popularity, he gets on a boat and leaves all the people and goes to the other side to a little town called Capernaum. And of course, because this isn't a big area, some of the people that he had fed find him. And they come to Jesus and they find him in, he's, he's teaching and that's kind of what he did. They find him teaching in the synagogue and they start to kind of taunt Jesus like, hey man, what do you got to show us again? I mean, the 5,000 thing was cool. Man, we've seen the water into wine thing. Man, what's next? And so Jesus, what he does is he begins to teach and he begins to take this idea of bread that he has given them physically and he begins to teach. And he begins to teach that, hey, you've been given this literal bread, but God will give you something for your soul, for your spirit, a bread that will satisfy you. And then he says this, I am the bread of life. I'm from heaven. I'm the bread of life. And these people are like, no, you're not. I know your mom and dad. I, I know Mary and Joseph. I know you grew up in the ghetto of, of Nazareth. I, I know that. I know your family is like furniture makers. What are you talking about? You're the bread of life. And then Jesus starts saying some really strange things to these people. He says this in John chapter 6, verse 54. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And people are like, get the kids out of here. This is going downhill quick. What, what, what are you talking about? Eat your blood and flesh. And what is this? What is he saying? And the disciples are in the corner like, no. They see the approval rating going down quick. Stop. What are you saying? And, and Jesus goes on and just gets stranger. And, and he, he keeps talking about this. And instead of like, oh, that's not a good message point. Let's move on. He presses in. And so the, disciples, the 12 disciples, and you'll hear disciples referred to in two groups. The larger group of disciples, just people that followed Jesus. But then there's the 12 disciples that became the apostles. And so it says this, verse 60, On hearing it, many of his disciples, the larger group of followers, said, This is hard teaching. This is weird. Who can accept it? 
And the crowd starts to turn. All these people that have been following Jesus, that have been watching Jesus' every move, like literally Jesus can't get away from these people. They, they're, they're, they're following him. They're bringing their friends. And now Jesus starts to say some strange things. And the crowd, you can just see the crowd starting to turn a little bit. And it says this in verse 61. Aware that his disciples, the the bigger group, were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does it bother you when I talk about eating my flesh and drinking my blood? Is is there a problem there? And and he he just asked an obvious question. They're obviously offended. And then it says this, one of the saddest verses in the New Testament. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From this time, there, there were all these people that were kind of waiting on every word. Man, they were there for the miracles. They were there for the parables. Man, they loved those cute stories with like cool lessons. They loved all that. Man, they loved this idea of, of kingdom and, and, and maybe, maybe taking over Rome and, and winning back their, their, their lives in their area. But now Jesus was starting to say some hard things. And, and, and Jesus, when he says, hey, is this too hard for you? It says that several of them started to, oh, man, is it already? Uh, appointment, got to go. Uh, it's, yep, it's toilet cleaning time at the house. So Jesus, we'll see you later. Du- washing the dog today, forgot about it. My, my phone just went off. I got to get there. And, and the crowd started to thin really quickly because they loved the miracles. They loved the parables. They loved the kingdom talk. They loved the free lunch. But now Jesus was saying some things, kind of raising the bar, saying some things that were harder to understand, and they began to walk away. Unfortunately, not a lot has changed. We, we have, and, and honestly, we many times in the church world are afraid to say hard things, and we kind of soft sell Jesus to draw a crowd. Like Jesus needs our cute attempts to make his message more palatable. And, and, and what happens is, is what, who becomes comfortable in our churches is consumer Christians. And honestly, the most uncomfortable person in a Jesus church should be a consumer Christian. A person who's just, hey, I'm here for the show. I'm here to make sure I feel good. I'm here for, man, they have better coffee than the church down the road. This is about me. Those are the people in a Jesus church that should feel the most uncomfortable. Shame on us if we as City Walk ever become a church that coddles consumer Christians because Jesus' message, he gave too much for us to coddle consumer Christians. And, and that's what was happening. These people that were just kind of around Jesus because they kind of, he was the popular guy today and he had the best coffee in town and, and they kind of liked to be around him. He did some kind of cool signs and wonders. They started to see that, hey, this isn't as good as I thought and this might get hard and so I'm out. And so Jesus does, and this is my, literally my, if I had a, a favorite verse in the entire scriptures, it's these next, this next passage. So here's what Jesus does. Imagine, all these people are walking away. The 12 disciples are like, this is not going well. And, and they're thinking in their own mind, like, man, would Jesus notice if I slip out the back too? 
And then Jesus does this. He says, he turns to the 12 and he says this in verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. He says, hey, everybody's walking away. Are you going to walk away too? And they know Jesus knows everything. So man, they can't lie to him. But, and he looks at him, he just looks square at him. Hey, if you guys want to go, you, you headed out too? See, this is so relevant for us because many of us, if we're honest, we have considered walking away. And maybe we were around Jesus for the wrong reason and then we came to a point in our life where, man, it got a little bit hard and, and Jesus is saying, hey, are you going to walk away too? Because you're free to walk away. See, one of the most difficult parts of, of being a pastor is watching people that seem to be followers of Jesus walk away. In fact, there's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 8, and we won't walk through the whole passage, where he talks about a farmer that's throwing out seed. And the seed is the Word of God. It's a picture of the Word of God. And it says he throws it on all different types of ground. And out of the four types of ground that he throws it on, only one type of ground actually takes that seed in and produces fruit. And the rest of them kind of, they, 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 the, the seed gets eaten up or the seed gets kind of uh, killed by the weeds. And what Jesus' point is, hey, the seed is going out to a lot of people and a lot of people kind of look like they're in, but there's only very few that really are about the message and produce fruit in their life. And so Jesus, he looks at the 12 and he says, which one are you? See, if you've been tempted to walk away, it's probably not because you don't think what Jesus says is true. Most of the time, if we're tempted to walk away, it's because at some point it just gets too hard. The cost is, seems too great. The approval of man is just too important to us. And many times what we do is because we want to behave in a certain way, we decide to change our beliefs to match the comfortable behavior. And as Jesus is, is looking at the 12, and man, he's a man. He's not just God. He's a man. So these are his friends he loves. And he looks at him and says, are you guys going to walk away? Are you going to? See, every single one of us will be tempted, and it'll probably happen during a transition, maybe during a time when there's been unanswered prayer or there's relational tension in your life where you will have the question, if you haven't already, is this worth it? Should I walk away? Is the grass really greener on the other side? I remember in my own life, in my own story, there's been a couple times in my life I remember when I was a middle schooler, I was probably 6th, 7th grade, and I remember because of some things that happened in my family, my world literally turning upside down. And I can remember during that season, I mean, just crying myself to sleep night after night after night, and everything that I had put my trust in had been ripped out from under me. And for me, that was a season where I had to decide, is this worth it? Am I going to walk away? Am I going to trust Jesus? Or am I going to just kind of go do my own thing? And then there was another season about five or six years ago when 
my career changed because of mistakes and sin in my own life. I remember being in, in counseling for my, myself and for my marriage. And, and, and the whole thing was like 99.9% my fault. And I can remember in this season, I was volunteering at my, at my local church while I didn't have a job. And, and I was volunteering. And I can remember I was listening to a Tim Keller message about the prodigal son. And I was literally cleaning the bathrooms at my church, listening to this message, and just having tears in my eyes like, am I going to keep pushing into Jesus, or am I going to walk away? Am I done with this? And I remember just that message meaning so much to me in this season of change, in this season of tragedy. And I remember just like, yes, I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. See, you will have that moment if you haven't already. And so what do you say when Jesus looks and says, will you walk away like everybody else? And Peter, who usually says the wrong thing at the wrong time, says something brilliant. And this is the question that I pray will be seared in your mind. Here's what Peter says. Simon Peter answered, and here's what he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Think about that question. Peter, guys, are you guys going to walk away too? Simon looks right at Jesus. Where else are we going to go? To whom shall we go? And here's what Peter recognized. He recognized something that most people don't recognize until it's too late. When you choose to not follow Jesus, you choose to follow something or someone else. And so if not him, then who? If not Christianity, then what? Because there's no neutral ground. And Peter recognized that. Hey, if we don't follow you, if all our eggs aren't in your basket, then we're going to have to follow somebody else. Where else are we going to go? And then Peter continues. He says this. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He says, nobody else is offering this. You've invited us into a bigger story. You've invited us into something much bigger than our own life. You've invited us into a story where, where you will one day redeem all that is wrong. And, and what are we going to do? Go back to living a normal life and trying to work up a retirement, maybe play some golf and then die? We don't want that. We want our life to be bigger. You've offered us something we can't find anywhere else. You have offered the words of eternal life. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, he wrote in Ecclesiastes, he said this, he said it this way, God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. God has put something in every single human, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, that wants more. That, that, that believes that there's something bigger, that is hopeful about the future. There's something in every single one of us that, that knows that there's something else out there, whether we believe in God or not. And Peter says, man, nobody fills that void like you. Where else are we going to go? See, you and I, we've been invited into a grand story. We've been invited into something that honestly, our own glory is not worth giving up what we've been invited into to go after our own glory. 
And Jesus has invited us in just like he invited the, the disciples in. And Peter says it this way as he continues to, to talk and he's just said, hey, you have the words of eternal life. Here's what he says. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Like you're it. Everything that the Old Testament, everything we learned as kids, everything that the Old Testament foretold, we know that you're the one. To whom shall we go? If not you, then who? If not, if not being a part of your story, then what story? Because there's no middle ground. If we choose to not follow you, Jesus, we're choosing to follow someone else and something else. And there's nothing that competes with what you're offering. We know that you are the one, the Holy One of God. See, basically Peter's like, we've seen too much. Like we've watched you. And, and Jesus hadn't even died and rose from the dead. And, and Peter's already saying, man, we've seen too much. There's no way we're walking away. See, for us, it comes down to who is Jesus. See, see Peter, he said, man, we, we know who you are. We've watched you. We know you're the Holy One of God. And, and for us, it comes down to who's Jesus? Is Jesus just a, a, another good prophet that has some really cool stuff that we quote on Instagram once in a while with all the other cool quotes we put up there? Is that it? What, was he a, a good prophet? Did he do some good things? Does he have some good leadership material that maybe we could learn from and apply to our business? Or is he God's son who was sent to redeem the world? And we don't believe that because the Bible says that. In fact, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the grave, not because the Bible says it, but because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, Jesus' brother, and Paul said so. They investigated. They were with Jesus. They interviewed eyewitnesses. And, and, and they, they, this was, like I said, even before Jesus rose from the grave, they were already convinced he was the son of God. And so can you imagine how convinced they were once they saw the risen Jesus, maybe convinced enough to give their own life for this movement, which they did. To whom shall we go? I love this question because it, this question really helps us avoid seasons of regret. Because it's a question in transition, in tragedy, in aloneness, in skepticism. It's a question that, that you can have seared in your mind when your freshman professor starts to throw your faith under the bus. You have to think, okay, if I walk away from this whole thing, which is an option, where am I going to go? Because i got to go somewhere. And, and yeah, I don't have all the answers, I don't know why God allows this. I don't know why this happened. I don't understand this, this hurt that I've seen in, in life. I don't understand why, why people that seem to be religious are so hateful in my society. I don't, I don't have all these answers. But just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean there isn't one. And for Peter, it was like, you know what? I don't know all the answers. In fact, if I know all the answers... They're probably not going to be good answers. If I know, in Peter's situation, if I know what the, my future holds and how this thing's going to end for me, 
I, I won't like what I hear. But when Jesus looked at him and said, hey, are you going to walk away too? Where else am I going to go? See, don't walk away because you don't have an answer. Because when you walk away from Jesus, you have to walk towards something else. And, and considering the options brings such clarity. If not Jesus, then who? If not Christianity, then what? Are we going to walk away from Jesus and Christianity because we, we hope to die with a bigger bank account? Are we going to walk away from Jesus and Christianity because we, we, we like a, a certain behavior that we have and it's like, you know what? It's worth just changing my beliefs about Him so that I can do this for this little few, uh, few, few years that I have on earth when all of eternity is at stake. Jesus says, to whom shall you go? You, you know this. You've, you've been around enough people that have gone on into eternity to know this. Nobody goes to the grave with regret for following Jesus. You've never sat around somebody's bed that was about to die and them say, I wish I wasn't a Jesus follower. But what you have probably done, the same thing I have, is people that left Jesus desperately wish they were back to where they left him. And there's such clarity when you get to the end of your life. And praise God for grace that to our last breath, we can change because of what Jesus did. But you've never had somebody say, you know what? When Jesus asked me that question, I said, I'm going to go a different direction. You've never had somebody say, and I love the direction I ended up going with my life. Just doesn't happen. See, there's a day when those who have left would give anything to come back. See, we, we, we ask this question, and I want to throw this question out here as we close again. To whom shall we go? And it's a personal question. It's a, it's a question that all of us have to make a decision on because you, whether you're a follower of Christ now or maybe you're skeptical of this whole thing, you have been invited into a bigger story than you could ever even imagine. And, and, and why not? I mean, honestly, why not just go all in? Why not live life with no plan B? Why not say, you know what? All my eggs are in your basket, Jesus. If this thing doesn't work out, I'm done and that's okay. I like my odds. I'm all in. And that's what the disciples did. And, and if you watch through the rest of the New Testament and you read biblical history, you know that these men and the, the followers that stayed close to Jesus to the very end gave their lives in tremendously horrible ways. And wouldn't it change the thing? They went all in. And it was on that day that many decided to walk away, but the twelve said, we're in. I mean, doesn't the cross echo the reality that he loves us and he's for us? I mean, isn't it, is it really that hard of a decision? Like, he died for us. He rose from the grave. He's for us. He gives us grace, mercy that we don't deserve. He offers us a home in heaven. It's a good option. But he gives us a choice. Salvation is free, it costs us nothing, but following Jesus will cost you something. 
But the thing is, refusing to follow Christ could cost you everything, the tragedy of a wasted life. So the question is, the most important question that we've asked in this entire series, to whom shall we go? If not him, then who? If not Christianity, then what? None of us want to have a wasted life. If you're a teenager here, walk with Jesus. Be known as the kindest person in your school. Don't waste eternal opportunities for the approval of people you won't even care about in 10 years. Don't waste your life. Go all in. If you're a single adult, go all in for Jesus. Use the freedom you have to be a light in the places God gives you. Believe God and step out of your comfort zone. Your energy and influence is so important to those of us who are older and younger than you. Don't waste your life. If you're married with kids, your kids know you're not perfect. They don't expect or need you to be. Know your faithful daily commitment to Jesus is marking them in ways you could not imagine. Stay on your knees through this season and keep following hard after Jesus. Don't waste your life. And if you're a grandma or you're a grandpa, never, never, never listen to the lie that your best days are behind you. Continue to take steps of faith and grow in your relationship with Jesus. Your wisdom and perspective is so needed in what Jesus is doing. This season of your life very well may be the season you make the biggest impact for the cause of Christ. Don't waste your life. Go all in. No matter what season. No behavior that's convenient is worth giving up a relationship and worth not following Jesus. The story is too big and He is too great and He did too much for us to walk away. And so I leave you with the question. To whom shall we go? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we close this morning, Jesus presents us with the question, and I hope I've said it enough times, I hope it's seared on your heart and your mind. He asks us this question. He gives us the option to walk away. And every single one of us, whether you're you know, a grandma or grandpa, whether you're a teenager, whether you're somewhere in between, you will have a season where you're tempted to walk away if you haven't already. And what's so vital for all of us is that before we make that decision, we understand if not Jesus, then who? Because when we walk away, we walk towards something. And is that something worth our life? With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to just close, and I'm, I'm going to close, and I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, I want to go all in. Man, yeah, I've, I've been tempted to walk away. Maybe you're in a season of where you have walked away. 
And you say, Chris, I've walked away because of maybe some behaviors that I, I, I preferred in my life, or I've walked away because of, of, uh, of the approval of man, or, or maybe another reason. Maybe I walked away because of a tragedy, and I was just kind of mad at God, to be honest. But Chris, I'm turning. The Bible calls that repenting, where we turn and agree with God. And would you just, in the quietness of this room, just between you and God, just talk to God. If you've walked away or you're in a season where you're tempted to walk away, would you just recommit your life to Jesus? Like, Jesus, I'm all in. I don't even know what that means yet, Jesus. I don't know what's in the contract, but I'm signing at the bottom. I'm all in. And if that's you this morning, I just want to close and I want to pray for you. And so if you're here and you'd say, Chris, just pray for me because today is a day when I'm just recommitting myself to be all in for Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up with nobody looking around? Just slip your hand up. Anybody else? Just I'm all in. No plan B. No plan B. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you for, for those that just by raising their hands said, hey, today I'm just kind of recommitting. I'm, I'm, I'm not walking away. I'm, I'm, I have no plan B. I'm all in. And I, maybe I don't even know what all in means and what the, what the future holds for me, but the story of Jesus and what he did on the cross and how he rose from the dead and what he has offered me and invited me into, I'm all in. God, I pray that you would strengthen these that have raised their hand. I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage them in their decision. I pray that you would use them in ways they can't even imagine. And God, I'm so thankful for your grace that even when we walk away, you're a loving Father who is waiting, longing for us to come home. In Jesus' name, amen.